Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey everyone, so before this episode starts, I want a quick apology. Um, this episode was recorded last week and was supposed to be up, but due to due to some issues with my computer, some very frustrating issues, I had to recover the file and go through all sorts of all sorts of processes just to get this file back and get this podcast to you. Uh, but I'm very glad I did because this was a very fun podcast. I have my guy, the, the Lakers expert, Tim, a.k.a. Cranch McBasketball of the Basketball Index. On this podcast, we're talking about the Lakers championship, just what it means for certain players, um, the legacy of LeBron and Anthony Davis, uh, who are the players that we're most happy for, and what the Lakers can do moving forward, entering free agency, what kind of options they're looking at realistically, and how to, of course, build and continue um, on the on what is a championship that they're now going to have to defend. Um, as far as other content goes, I have uh, I have a few hip hop podcasts that are that are coming in the next week or so. So stay tuned for that. And once the NBA coaching hiring carousel settles down and finalizes, um, I'm going to be jumping into that. So there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of NBA and hip hop content as well as some other content that I will not. Uh, I will not say here because I'm waiting to to officially get everything in motion, but um, there, there's some plans to, to do some other stuff coming soon that I think you guys will enjoy, and I'm very excited to get to. So in the meantime, the best way to just keep up with the content and the stuff that is coming is to follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at RealChrisPlatte, that's C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know everyone knows how to spell real. So without further ado, man, let's get into this Lakers championship podcast. It's a celebration. Um, after a long NBA bubble season, we finally have a champion, your 2020 champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Let's get it. Hello everyone, welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk, the final Strictly Hoop Talk of the 2020 NBA season. Of course, I had to have the guest to close it out. You know who it is. It's Tim, a.k.a. Cranges McBasketball of the Basketball Index. Tim, how are you? I'm great, Chris. Uh, you, you caught me at a good time to ask me how I am. Uh, Lager's coming off that title. Yeah. I'm just thrilled relieved uh miami made it a series they pushed us uh it was really great basketball some amazing individual performances great coaching performances and just being able to appreciate it all 
go through the season from like preseason until now having like watched and analyzed these games makes it so much different than the older Laker championships were um especially as a younger guy um so yeah just really happy and now taking a very very tiny break from basketball and trying to recuperate a little bit because the playoffs are just such a grind yeah man especially this year they felt like a grind just with how just with the bubble and the the intensity of each game and how there was just such a a focus i mean it always is this way in our in our nba playoffs tim you know this that every year and every series is so narrative driven and the narrative changes from every single game it becomes you know can they come back from 3-1 to or to like they always change the narratives always change each game uh 2-1 <laughs> is so much different than than 1-1 or or 2-0 is different than 1-1 it's just there's all these different there's all everything changes every game each game is so significant in a best of 7 series so um it it really felt like a grind though this year with and I think part of that was watching Denver come back from two three to ones to where it kind of got everybody to be like okay none of these series are over until they're over so the narratives just kept going and going and going and that's why I think it felt it felt long and plus obviously you know we had the three month break where we were still talking about basketball we were still thinking about basketball most of the time but we weren't sure you know what was going to happen and then the bubble comes back and that's a new thing so it's just a long long season man I mean I, I I had a year ago a year ago yesterday I drafted my fantasy fantasy team for the <laughs> season so like it's been literally a calendar year since we've watched some of these matchups and 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 the season has started yeah it's it's been crazy and the bubble I mean I remember being on this podcast and we talked about the challenges of a bubble, what we were hoping to see in the bubble. We didn't see any whackable, wacky inflatable tube men uh, in the crowds trying to distract people, but the, you know, the NBA got the fans involved. Uh, obviously it wasn't the same environment, but yeah, that, that grind was real, especially with the schedule, having games every other day because yeah. nobody needs to travel. It, teams like Denver were coming back from down three, one time after time, and then still not getting any days off in between series. And, I remember, I think it was on Sports Center. They were interviewing Jamal Murray after they had just beaten, uh, after they had just come back down from three one the first time, and they said, "Hey, you ready for your game on Thursday?" He was like, "Wait a minute, what Thursday?" Because yeah. it was like Tuesday night, and they're like, "Yeah, man, you you got to get ready to play." Um, and just how exhausting I, those guys must have been, and just the emotional, the mental, physical grind playing every other day, high intensity games not having the same facilities, friends, family, all that stuff. So huge credit to the NBA, to all the players. Um, I know on the content creation side, like I was up until like 1 a.m. after games, like trying to get as much of my film study done after Laker games as I could, because then you had to podcast the next day. Because if you didn't podcast early and it got out late, then you yeah. just like there isn't there just isn't as much time in between games as we normally would. So I, I'm happy it's over. I know a lot of fans are happy it's over because uh, their teams haven't been in it or they didn't want the Lakers to win or yada, yada. But, <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I've been, really enjoyed it. I think the NBA did a great job, and it was obviously neat to see my team pull it out. Yeah, hell of a season, dude. And honestly, it's it's forgettable for a lot of a lot of good and a lot of unfortunate reasons. But at the end of the day, I was listening back to our, our, to our preseason podcast, and uh, it it made me laugh when I listened to it because we were talking about just 
the 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 difference of where you were mentally and how stressed you were coming off of the Luke Walton coaching era and, <laughs> and the season to now hearing you just speak so blissfully about basketball and about it it's good to hear it's 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 fun to hear now obviously LeBron gets the, his fourth ring and finals fourth finals MVP the Lakers get their seventeenth title. I saw Bill Simmons on his podcast the other day. That was a funny, uh, a funny little petty dig he did where he put the Lakers' twelfth title because of the um, because of the five Minneapolis titles. So he's saying that like the Lakers only have twelve just because Boston obviously now has seventeen. So you know, just to, just being a petty Boston fan, I thought that was kind of funny. But mm-hmm. um, LeBron again getting his fourth ring, his fourth Finals MVP. First player to win finals MVP for three different franchises. These are all the stats that you've heard. Um, now, Tim, I want to start with particularly the the finals MVP because I tweeted at you in the middle of game five. I think it was somewhat early in game five. And I said, okay, you know, Tim, who are you leaning towards for finals MVP right now? Is it LeBron? Is it Anthony Davis? And you said, I would pick Anthony Davis, but I'm not totally against LeBron. Now, games five and six after they finished LeBron obviously went on to have a spectacular game five and absolutely incredible game five and then a vi- and then a very good game six as well did did it shift for you in that game and a half since I since I tweeted you about that and you and you then ultimately decided LeBron should have been finals MVP or do you still feel like it should have been AD's finals MVP yeah, yeah. At the time, I was thinking AD, especially early in the series, with how AD was the zone buster in Game Two. I was like, man, like this guy is very clearly important when he's not out there, but LeBron is. The Lakers aren't able to attack and, and beat the zone the same way. Game One, Game Three, uh, AD was was doing really well, and and he seemed. I mean, they were both obviously doing very well, but I was leaning his way. Um, actually, in in Game Three is when. Uh, Miami started to use some of those counters and, and get Anthony Davis less involved with like running in the post and having help behind him and just doing everything they could to, to take him out of the game plan later in the series. So, so in that game four, uh, we saw LeBron take over at the end of the game, have a really strong stretch and seal that one in game five. We saw LeBron drop 40 points, have, more rebounds, more assists, all of the big moments. Uh, he hit several go-ahead buckets at the end of that game that just didn't end up being the game winners, and you almost forget about them because Miami won the game. But right. LeBron was clearly the more dominant player in that sense and, and the more valuable guy. And then in the seventh game, same sorts of stuff. And it's, I mean, you can look at the counting stats, and LeBron it was, was better in 80 in the counting stats, but also just from observing the game and looking at the tactics that were involved in some of the impact numbers it was clear by the end of the series that LeBron had been that better guy the more important guy and he was hitting some of those really clutch shots um so I mean they both had just outstanding performances if you look at some of the impact metrics like uh, player impact plus minus which we've referenced a couple times before AD and LeBron are far far ahead of everyone else in the playoffs in terms of the impact that they've had on the court per hundred possessions. So they really brought their a game. We saw AD elevate to a new level in terms of his self creation, uh, the, the frequency and the proficiency of that in a way that makes me think now 
so much more so than at the end of the regular season that this might be like a 1A guy that can be your leading scorer, that can be, and not just your leading scorer because he was for the Lakers, but be your leading guy and create his own offense Mm -hmm. in a way that for most of his career, he, he just hasn't been that guy. He's a great finisher. He hasn't been that great creator. So we've seen a huge jump from him, but we saw LeBron, even with how old he is and how much of a grind he's had to go through, and and like even watching him physically, he doesn't look the same. He's not the same powerful athlete, but he uses his great technique. He still has that great strength, that IQ, the touch, the skill set, everything. And he showed us again why he is or he was the, the best player, the most important player in the playoffs and in the finals. Yeah, I okay, so first off I want to say that I agree with everything that you said and the reason I had LeBron as Finals MVP at, at that point that I had tweeted you was because it was Game Three, correct? That Anthony Davis had this had the subpar game. Yep. And yeah, and it was that combined with just and obviously this is probably a lot. A lot of this is probably just kind of the the bias of growing up in the LeBron James era, but. It felt it always felt like even even when AD was having just as good as stats or better stats and just in impacting and leading the defense and all the things that AD does, it always just feels like when LeBron is in, it is LeBron's game. It is LeBron like it, it still mm-hmm. felt that way. Now it felt like it was it definitely felt like it was a co piloting thing. It didn't feel like Anthony Davis was Scottie Pippen by any means. You know, it did feel like AD was right there with LeBron, but there's just that mm-hmm. presence that LeBron has built up in our mind after 17 years now of watching him play. And then I think that that became a lot more clear, like you said, in games five when uh, when LeBron had the amazing performance and hit so many go-ahead shots that were just at, that were, were going to be winners if the Lakers had gotten stops, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Yeah, just so, an all-time game. Yeah, and, and, and let me let me bring something up about game three. So let's look at we, we know AD had a subpar game, right? L- let's look at some stat lines. 20% three point shooting, 67% free throw shooting, eight turnovers. One of the, the worst, uh, you know, least field goals made. And, and that was LeBron, not AD. Yeah, AD had a bad game. LeBron also didn't have a great game. Um, he had almost as many turnovers as he had. Actually, he had as many turnovers as he had assists. Yeah, he that was wasn't the game. Buckets. That was ugly, he couldn't yeah. hit his threes. And we saw in that game three, Miami make a bunch of adjustments specifically to take AD out of it. And mm-hmm. from that, it seemed almost to impact LeBron in a, in a way that we hadn't quite seen before. So you could almost see how the two of them were tied together and how important right. AD was to the offense, even when the focus was on him You know, from the media, media standpoint because that focus was on him from Miami's standpoint, and that really kind of crippled the Laker offense. But like you said, LeBron came back. That that game five performance was just one of the all-timers. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame that was wasted, and it's a relief that the Lakers ended up winning the series because you don't want to have games like that just not end up mattering at all or, or be mm-hmm. completely forgotten. Uh, but yeah, he, like you said, when LeBron's in, it, it was often LeBron time. And... That kind of waxed and waned a little bit throughout the series, especially when Rajon Rondo was out there. Sometimes it seemed like he would just kind of try to take over. And when he was on, it was it was fine. But when yeah. he wasn't on, like uh, games, I believe games four and five, he shot a combined like two for 15 or something like that, two for 14, and was turning the ball over. And it, it, it wasn't working. Um, 
in those minutes where he played with LeBron, we saw LeBron just kind of be more passive and mm-hmm. and not not even get the ball, just kind of be off ball standing around. So that bothered me a little bit, but the Lakers fixed it all by the end of the series. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the the voice has just been the voice is rough today. It and it's getting <laughs> rough as the podcast goes on, but I promise you guys I'm not sick. I'm totally fine. Just just drank a little bit last night. So yeah, I agree with the the Rondo thing was a was a big was that was something that I thought was interesting too the way he he really asserted himself the minutes he was in especially as the even uh, as the playoffs went on really he he really just kind of became that guy that was the okay when I'm in like I'm not just a player like I'm running the offense I'm my whole goal is to give LeBron and AD as much of a break as possible and to do what I can in my short window. And like you said, some games, it was great. Like game six, it was phenomenal. He had, what was it, like uh, 11 points in nine minutes at the in the first half or 13 points in nine minutes, mm-hmm. something like that. And, <laughs> man, and um, as he... As he, as you had those games, you also had the down games where he was two for uh, two for fifteen over the course of two games. So, with Rondo, it was it was very it was very hit or miss. But um, he was really the only other player outside of LeBron and AD that you felt like had control in this series. And, and Caldwell Pope to an extent, because Caldwell Pope had a lot of fantastic performances and and moments. He was absolutely huge for them. And this is a question actually. Now that we're on it, because this is KCP thought here. Before we get to LeBron and AD's legacy, there's a lot of interesting characters on this Lakers squad. And what's the player that you're most happiest to get a ring? Is it is it LeBron? Is it AD? Is it one of the role players like Caruso, KCP? For me, it it's it's a tie between KCP and Rondo. I'm very happy that Rondo got another ring because of the the years of the uh, of the just the if you look at everything post Boston, it's been a very rough run for Rondo, and I've always been a fan of Rondo. So for me, I was I was happy for him. And then obviously KCP, uh, I loved him in Detroit, mm-hmm. and I thought that he got uh, he had a lot of he had a lot of years where after Detroit, where he was kind of it, it was very up and down with KCP, and there was a lot of people that were that went cold on KCP a lot of times, but he really came out and and played what I thought was some of his best basketball of his career and, and got and was a huge part of winning the finals. So I, I was very happy for KCP. What's the what, what are some of the players that you're really happy for winning a ring? AD is the one that sticks right. out to me, not just because of how many years he had been a, a really good player in New Orleans and just not had the team around him and had injury troubles and all those different things, but what he showed us not just that he got the ring but the ring along with the performance that he had in Mm. the playoffs not just in the finals all of a sudden moves him up in discussions among players for like with lebron we could talk about historically where does he fit in with ad suddenly this postseason moves him up from you know hey is this a this is a top 10 kind of guy to where exactly is he in the top 10? And is he in that top five? Is he close to that top five? And and those, I mean, obviously aren't easy questions to answer, but the I fact think it's that easy it, to put AD in the top five. I really do. With how After he, how I mean, if he plays like he played in this postseason, heck yeah. 
Yeah. He, he was incredible. Um, but without this postseason, we're not having that discussion. Right, right. And it allows him to reach a new height in his career. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he can build off of that because, again, we pretty much saw him shoot career highs, highs across the board in just about every range on the court. So may, maybe he'll regress back down towards what he was doing during the regular season. But if any of this is real growth and improvement, he can be that guy not just as a finisher but as a creator suddenly that allows him to be in that discussion and then on the defensive end of the court we've always had this all right well who's the best defensive player who's the dpoy you know rudy gobert will win it or Giannis will win it we saw anthony davis and that theoretical argument for him as the best defensive player where we can say hey you know what he can guard one through five he's very switchy he lets your defense play different coverages they normally wouldn't He'll go take your best wing. He'll go take your best big. All of that stuff is good and fine in the regular season. We never really got to see that on a good team that was competitive in the playoffs for him in the past. During this postseason and in the finals, we really got to see Anthony Davis at his peak level defensively and the impact that can have and like him taking on Jimmy Butler and how, how much of an impact that could have. Um, so he really proved what Laker fans have been talking about for a year that ad can be that defensive player like best defensive player in the world in basketball and here's x y and z reasons and we saw all of those reasons on display so not just that he's an elite caliber offensive guy but he is he's he's for sure top three maybe top two maybe number one in terms of the best defensive players in the league and and all like i think on both ends of the court everything just kind of came together for him in the perfect environment this wasn't all just, hey, he's playing next to LeBron, therefore he will be good. Because a lot of this, he either created his own shots or he was doing what he was doing defensively because, you know, that's what he was doing. That's it. LeBron out yeah. there doesn't help him for that. So uh, he really proved that he he is one of those elite guys. And I'm really happy for him for that reason. But like you shared, some of those other dudes like KCP, Caruso, LeBron, Rondo, mm-hmm. obviously happy for them, happy for everybody. Um even JaVale McGee, what is this, his, like, third ring? Uh, <laughs> Three-time champion JaVale McGee is crazy. a sentence I never thought I'd utter in my life. J.R. Smith, I think, shot, like, 9% from three on the Lakers in his time this year. He got a ring. Uh, so just, man, I think even Boogie might get a ring. I think he's eligible for a ring. I don't know if they'll yeah. give him one. Um, but just a lot of just, even Dwight Howard. Uh, Howard yeah. and Markeith Morris are two guys that weren't, focal points they weren't starters during the regular season but during the playoffs round after round we saw the lakers say all right we're gonna play big we're gonna play small we're gonna mix it up and those players enabled the lakers to you know shape shift and and morph into what they needed to be to make those series five games for for all but the last one so them being stars in their roles and being willing to not play for a series or play huge minutes suddenly, or like, hey, go take on Nikola Jokic after you didn't play at all last series. Like, little things like that. Just guys embracing roles and kicking butt in those roles made me really happy, too. So I'm happy for them as well. Yeah, and notice the one name you you didn't mention. It's the one that's going around Twitter. It's it's funny. I saw that when I when I looked at that, I, I laughed. And, and it was the whole, like, petition that was started that if the Lakers win the title Kyle Kuzma doesn't get a ring and I was like and I was just sitting there laughing because Tim I know you and I have had this discussion before and I just never been big on Kuzma I've been like yeah Kuzma's fine like you know he's a he's a 
he's a player that can have that can have a hot stretch and he could get you you know you're he's a almost like a bigger Jordan Clarkson to me you know he he has his heat check moments where Mm -hmm. yeah he could get you 20 points and wow that's fantastic but then he has the games where he doesn't really help you at all and he's a minus on defense and he doesn't hit his shots and so and that and that's okay because he's young like I'm not saying he can't be a quality player moving forward but right now he's just he's he's fine in the role that he's in but I think that because of the whole AD trade and the fact that Kuzma was the only young guy that the Lakers didn't give up that Lakers fans especially and 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 national media kind of susceptible to it as well was the hype of like Kuzma being the big the big three and yeah. that definitely that definitely wasn't the case so I feel like I feel bad for him because it's unrealistic expectations but it made me laugh because it because there was those expectations on him that he was supposed to be this like great guy and I was just like Dude, I've been saying it forever. Like Kuzma's a Kuzma's a fine player. Like almost any team in the league would want him on their bench. It's just a it's just a, a range of where he would play. And some and some teams he would start right now. Some teams he would be a bench player. You know, he's he's not a bad player by any means, but I mean to to make this to make this grand gesture like the Lakers were willing to back out of Anthony Davis trade just to keep Kyle Kuzma or whatever, it w- was just ridiculous and so yeah it all culminated to that moment of seeing the petition that was that was really really funny to me so you're more plugged into the laker fan base than i am is is this a is this a really is this really a a a lakers fan issue or is this kind of just like a like a twitter like funny haha thing there are levels to it and i'll start off by saying that i personally don't know anyone or i don't interact with anyone that I, I mean, certainly not like the media people or, or like the, the, the fans I know were signing things like that. We, we appreciate Kuzma. There's a lot that goes into who he is, how he plays, how he's perceived and how he's treated that mm-hmm. can change perception and, and alienate, pe- alienate people to a certain degree. And I understand a lot of that. I agree with a lot of that. But I don't know. I think that was more of a somebody got pissed created the petition and then it became a haha thing for some people um yeah. but like that or the, going after danny green like they're the laker fan base oh, yeah, I, i'll say gross. this every fan base has good and bad apples oh yeah the laker fan base is just gigantic and a lot of those voices are loud and mm-hmm. will do stupid things like this uh or or you know make death threats to people like crazy things that obviously yeah, we don't that... condone we don't endorse i don't want those people following me i don't follow any of those people uh, on Twitter and that will happen. And I, you know, on, on behalf of Lakers, Lakers, Twitter or the good ones in Lakers, Twitter, like that's not most of us and that's not good. And we don't like that. And we, we don't try to amplify those voices. Yeah. However, I'll say that Kuzma in, in multiple ways is, has, hasn't been positioned the best to right. be seen favorably by his own fan base or by other fan bases. Cause this is a guy who, like you said, he's kind of like a Jordan Clarkson where he'll be hot. He'll have some great games. Um, almost almost Jordan Clarkson with the Lakers because Jordan Clarkson this year with the Jazz was probably even like a, a more more evolved version than what he oh, was yeah, with the Lakers. Definitely. But on the Lakers, he he could get hot. He would have his stretches. He could create his own shot at times. But he, he shot 31.6% from three in the regular season. He shot 31.3% in the postseason. His field goal percentage was 43, 43 almost 44% in the regular season, 43% in the postseason. He... Is just you know has like less than assist. Uh, he has about an assist a game. 
he he'll take some dumb shots sometimes. He'll hit some crazy shots sometimes, but yeah, oh yeah, he his his style of play is inefficient at times. It's not the most impactful positively. He's gotten better as a defender, but he had been a quite poor, very negative defender. Now he's just a below average defender, and his his play is is one piece of it. And then, like you said, with the trade talks and just some of those reports coming out saying that like Genie Bus is enamored with Kyle Kuzma and doesn't want to give him up. Or, like, this deal might fall through if the Lakers aren't able to keep on to Kyle Kuzma. Like, he, in my eyes, was the least valuable piece of him, Lonzo, and Brandon Ingram. Yep. And I would hope that the Lakers approach those trade talks in a similar way, because I would rather have either of those other two guys uh, right now, even, you know, given everything that has happened. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help his perception. The way that he's, you know people care about like who he's dating or how he's dressing and he's he carries himself with a degree of confidence that is fine but can rub people the wrong way mm-hmm. um, so just a lot of those things all together if he doesn't perform well it's like come on man you treat yourself like a star the media sometimes talks about you like you're that third player because at times you you can be and at times you'll have those scoring outbursts but you're not a complete player you have plenty of holes in your game. You've got a lot to work on. And when you don't show up in those big moments and, and a lot of your stats go down in the playoffs, we're not going to be happy with that. So I can understand all the different sides to it. I think the the petition was at the extreme end of dissatisfaction along with maybe mm-hmm. some, uh, you know, joking from people. Yeah. But, you know, also happy with him. <laughs> I would very much like for him to get his ring uh, and hopefully get better. But... He's younger, but he's 25. And we know from looking at just different methods of measuring growth in players that at age 25, 26, players generally start to plateau. If Mm -hmm. Kyle Kuzma were like 20 and you were looking at re-signing him and whenever his deal is up and he gets on the free market, like what he does now, if he were 20 years old, would be really interesting and show a lot of potential. And, 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 but with his age, he's kind of more, he's not the teenage ninja turtle. He's like that middle-aged karate tortoise where it's like, all right, <laughs> you, you kind of do some of the same things, but like, I don't know if I'm super invested in your future right now. Uh, so, you know, if you squint and at times he can look like some of those guys, like he'll get compared to Jason Tatum sometimes, which is, yeah. come on, man. Like little things like that. That's not fair to him. Uh, mm-hmm. but he does play a style where he he can be creating his own shot at times, which is an asset, but allows him to be compared to those other players that play a similar Mm -hmm. way. So I I get it, but, you know, still happy for Kuz, happy he's around. Uh, He was really valuable for, especially for how much he's paid. Um, And he was part of this title run. Yeah, me too, man. I'm just laughing at the people. I'm just laughing at the people that thought it was a big three. That's all. But um so, okay, so to put it in context, too, I, I love that you brought up Kuzma's age because AD is 26. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and That's wild. God, oh, my God. God we, God, we look at the journey that AD has been on versus the journey that Kuzma's been on is is a crazy statement. And you talked about it with the legacy of the the idea of uh, why you were very happy that he got the ring and you and you kind of got into the legacy talk of, of the journey that AD has been on from being this – guy that everybody saw as uber talented but just was not able to bring his team to a high enough ceiling to meet the to meet the uh the skepticism that came with him 
you know it was always the it was the it was the tug and pull of okay well if he's really a top five player why can't he make the playoffs other people would say are you kidding me the west is loaded and people would say are you kidding me he has Drew Holiday who's a really good player but like you know it, it just was it was one of those it, his his career just had all these all, all these interesting navigational arcs where he went from he went from being oh my god this guy's the the, the next big thing to okay, this guy, some people started to wane on him, and then some people kind of were like, no, he's just in a bad situation, he needs to be somewhere else. And so the journey that he's already been on, and like you said, this was this being his first quote-unquote real opportunity, and we look back at the, obviously this isn't a big three that was formed, but the, 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 when the stars come together, historically speaking, in the NBA, they don't get it done their first year. It, it takes some time to get to to mesh right for the players to to reach and for the and for the general uh, general managing office to flesh out the roster and find the right pieces to fit around them. But this Lakers organization put Anthony Davis in a position, and it get and I got to give Anthony Davis a lot of credit because, like you said, he played his absolute best basketball of his entire career in the first the first opportunity he got to play for a championship. And that to me is very impressive. That speaks highly to both his work ethic and his and his uh, demeanor and his and his I guess ambition towards being successful. So I, the whole idea of people trying to box Anthony Davis in as Scottie Pippen, I, I I look at them and I'm like, you weren't watching these basketball games because mm-hmm. there was a lot of games where AD played better than LeBron, and there were games where LeBron played better than AD. But they were always, they were never, there was never a, a, a levels to it. Like you, like you pointed out, the one game where Anthony Davis played bad, and, and Anthony Davis got the blame. Well, guess what? LeBron didn't play good either. He had, like you said, just as many turnovers as assists. So to me, the the idea that this that this that Anthony Davis's legacy is is kind of being boxed in as a side sidekick is like you guys are you guys are bugging this dude is 26 he just played the best basketball of his career he could still like you said he's still at that age where he might start to plateau but he could get better this could be the start of something he could have another season or two of this level and if LeBron if LeBron continues to regress like we imagine any normal human being would then uh, then AD's go the AD's the better player and then it's and then it's it transitions to AD's team. So I think for for people to kind of take shots at AD's legacy already and kind of compare him to Kevin Durant and you know it, it just to me is is it, foolish because I think one the story's not over and two I think when you look at how it's been so far I mean you got to give him you got to give him credit he stepped up in the one year where the one year where he had an opportunity to win a title. He played his best basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of times people can try to open, oversimplify things or compare across eras. And mm-hmm. I think those player comparisons is where we can get in trouble because a lot of people I mean, weren't even old enough to watch both of those eras of basketball and, and be old enough to really comprehend and, and analyze what's going on. And again, like you said, like he's 26 He's a year older than Kyle Guzma, and he <laughs> led this team in points per game in the regular season. He led this team in points per game in the postseason. He is going to be 
obviously we need to see how they structure the deal, but they're, they're, I mean, he's, he can leave the Lakers if he wants to this offseason. I, there, that will not happen. Um, yeah. There's no way that will happen. It's no just a way. matter of does he do uh, like a two plus one or does he sign for four years or like what, what is he going to sign for? Um, that's what he needs to figure out now. But either way, he was this year and moving forward, he's going to be the team's leading scorer. And mm-hmm. over time, we're going to see not just that scoring, but just the the relative importance of him and LeBron and the relative impact shift as LeBron yeah. continues to age. And especially in the regular season. And all of that, yeah. Yeah, and, and especially in the regular season where mm-hmm. LeBron older will probably try and be trying to like conserve a bit. And if he can, if LeBron can play 75% of, of his potential throughout the regular season and then turn it on during the playoffs and keep himself he- keep himself healthy i'm fine with that i don't have any gripe if the lakers end up like the two seed because of it or the three seed because of it mm-hmm. um this team will do what they need to do and i i don't know it, it's a it's not it's an argument and it's a debate that like i don't really care about because i'm just happy they're both on my team uh <laughs> right so i don't know years from now we can better contextualize and see where things go but if you're looking at Anthony Davis and looking at what you want him to have done, given the opportunities he has outside of him, like trying to compete for a title with like each uh, Moore and Julius Randle on his team, <laughs> right. like it, it, the one chance he had, like you said, he's made the most of it. He's shown he's the best defensive player in the world. He's shown that he is, he was a top two offensive or just top two, top five offensive guy during the playoffs. He has grown and shown that he can create his own shot. And he'll guard your toughest matchup. And he like he's done everything we could have asked of him. And we saw the results of that. So next year, the year after that, the year after that, we'll, we'll see what this turns into and how that evolves mm-hmm. over time. And we may see the shift between those two guys. But I, A plus grade to Anthony Davis in terms of what he's done so far. Agreed. Now, let, now let's jump to the LeBron side of the legacy. I, now, me, this is the more interesting legacy, obviously, because I feel like it's... I, I enjoy talking any type of legacy, uh, le- legacy talk. I even like, I, I do like the looking at somebody young or somebody in the middle of their career and kind of understanding the journey that it got to this point and then where it could potentially go. Uh, but the legacy of LeBron, obviously in year 17, I think he's past halfway, the halfway point in his career. I'm not sure on that. <laughs> I'm not sure on that, but uh, LeBron in the GOAT case, obviously, versus Michael Jordan. Look, the way I... The idea is, does this fourth title change the the narrative, change uh, change the debate at all? And to me, it, it does. Like, I, like, any type of ring isn't going to not affect your case. However, to me, I just... I said this last year... And I, I say this, I say this again, I think it, I think at this point, you have the cases for LeBron and Jordan, like you have, you have your case for each player, even though LeBron's career is active and going to continue, you have the fact that LeBron had the now 17 years of sustained excellence versus Jordan, Jordan's peak was, was better and he's got the six for six in the finals, but LeBron, are we really going to punish LeBron for bringing, for overachieving with teams that weren't great at basketball and bringing them what should have been maybe a second or third round team to the NBA Finals? And so at this point, you just you have your you have your debates. Jordan has uh has has more defensive accolades than LeBron. He's a better defender, or 
you know, you have your debates back and forth, but I think everybody has at this point in both their careers, Jordan's obviously being done, LeBron's still continuing. You have your you have your case for and against, right? You have the fact that LeBron's going to have more career uh, at, more career points, assists, uh, pretty much probably everything, more stats than than more raw numbers than Jordan. Jordan's probably going to have more rings, unless maybe we're seeing the start of some super special, which then could change the legacy the the or the goat conversation. But for the most part, I feel like at this point, even before this title both sides had had their case and that's where I fall and wherever you want to pick you you can pick like I I have my opinions but I don't think that I don't think it's this I don't think it's this uh I don't think it has to be one way or the other I see it as a as a as a a a one-in-one debate I mean where are you at in that uh in in that in that conversation and also kind of how important how much do you think that this specific championship changed the um changed the conversation that's a a hard question and i as a younger person i I mean i'll say that caveat like i'm i'm not (laughs) in my 30s or 40s or 50s so i obviously don't have the same sort of perspective in that respect but looking at what lebron is doing at the age that he's doing it at is just so incredibly impressive to me and you know the situations are different the rosters are different the era is different yeah like what lebron has had to beat and what he's had to go up against when in the years that he has lost with the warriors like those are some all-time teams right there and being able to accomplish what he has accomplished and year after year what nine out of the last 10 finals or something like that 10 out of the last 11 i don't know what it was but yeah he's been there every single time it's crazy the one year he wasn't was when he was injured for like 20 or 30 games and lonzo ball was injured and brandon ingram was injured and like all the key players on that team were hurt for substantial portions of the season and but other than that one season we've seen lebron just dominate and I think it, when looking at the career arc for someone like Jordan, he reached that peak level and he sustained it from an impact standpoint, looking at some of the data. And then he really dropped off in, you know, to 2001, 2002. And, and it just absolutely right. was not the same level of player, but even into 97, 98, like he was, he was a really high level guy uh, looking at LeBron and what he's been able to do. He's, it ha- his level of impact hasn't been the same every single season, but he's had sustained performance for, I believe, a longer stretch. And his peak defensive years have been better than Jordan's peak defensive years from an impact standpoint. And we're seeing LeBron do things at the age that he's at, and he doesn't appear to be slowing down that give it another couple. And it might go from, yeah, these are comparable and you can go either way to, holy crap, like the longevity of impact Mm -hmm. in in accomplishment for LeBron could just be a little bit ahead. Um, He's set up with a guy in Anthony Davis that with his age should be able to help carry that load, whether it's 50, 50 or 45, 55 or whatever it is, LeBron's not going to fade away anytime soon. And he's going to be the face of this team and a big enough part of this team for the near future enough that even if they do win the finals and maybe the data says he was, second fiddle or it was kind of 50 50 even like this year it was it wasn't clear it wasn't super clear cut that like 
this is LeBron's team and then 80s just kind of there. Um, right. If, if we have two more years of this and LeBron gets another title or two, I think that really changes the discussion. Um, but this is the beginning of that with, with what he was able to accomplish this year. It's crazy to look at anybody that's 36 and talk about the beginning in the NBA. <laughs> it's it's a crazy, crazy thing, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we are transitioning to, and, um, and, and it started last season, we're, we're setting up for another window. We don't know how long this window is, whether it's three years, whether it's five years, whether it's only two years. I mean, we don't. We don't know how this, but whether it's only one year, whether Anthony Davis decides to come to the Pistons or something, <laughs> something like that. But, um, but no, it's it's really interesting to look at LeBron this late in his career and talk about, like he's still in a very defining chapter of his of his career. So I, I do think you're right. I do think that the 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 that obviously with LeBron's career continuing, that there's a lot of room for things to really change, and they and they can. I just see it as right now, if even right now, LeBron has done so much that even right now you have your case for LeBron over Jordan if you if you want to make it. And you have your case for Jordan over LeBron right now. Like you said, maybe it becomes a clear-cut no, or maybe it, uh, or I mean, clear-cut one way or the other. But it's, it's interesting stuff, man. I like, I like talking legacy, and I could do this forever. But I want to end with, the with the idea of possible trades and signings for the Lakers because you know it wouldn't be an end of the year podcast it we wouldn't be basketball media if we didn't take the team that won the championship and said all right let's make it better and what can we do to make it better so and obviously you know that throughout the stretch of the season you know it it showed that the Lakers could that, that the Lakers were good enough to get it done and I'm not mad if they if they were to run back the exact same roster because hell you just won a championship with it, but I think I think we're we're all for being honest we we could see some things that we could want to that, that we could from a Lakers perspective want to tweak and want to um, and want to enhance. So the interesting thing for me though, Tim, and this is really what I want to get to you specifically at because I haven't I haven't heard. I haven't heard a strong inkling one way or another, but obviously next year is the big free agent class of 2021. So if the Lakers are pursuing free agents, if this uh, this season in a, in a decent free agent class, for me, I don't think there's many people out there that specifically help the Lakers. There's just not many players that really fit the Lakers profile uh, uh, of what they need. There's a, there's a few and we can get into them. But are they looking to sign these guys to a one-year deal? Are they looking to trade for people that are um, that are a that are on a one or two-year contract so they could get off of them to to get cap space in 2021? Or do you, if you're the Lakers, knowing that everybody and their mama wants cap space for Giannis and Kawhi, do you maybe see if you could get a good a, a good deal on a player that has a longer-term contract just because? a team is looking to get themselves primed in cap space position. So there's there's obviously been the 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 Odipo trade route has been floated out. Buddy Heald seems to be tradable. He could be somebody that the Lakers could potentially go after. I mean, the Lakers have a lot of expendable contracts. 
where there's a lot of places they could go, Tim, and I, I didn't mean to make it that long-winded, but it's really because it is so open-ended. I mean, where do you see the Lakers going as far as roster uh, roster management going forward for the next year to two years? Mm-hmm. They, like a lot of other teams, don't have a ton of flexibility this offseason. LA will go into this offseason, assuming AD comes back, Right. without really having cap space or or, or any, really much of it, um, we're not going to be, like, in the running for, like, a Davis Bertans. Or, yeah. like, if Danilo Gallinari comes to the Lakers, it's going to have to be on the mid-level exception, which would get him mm-hmm. close to $10 million a year instead of what he might be able to get with another team. So the Lakers have that exception, and then they have their biannual, I think it's called the biannual room exception, perhaps. Um which is less money. I think that's like six or five mil. Uh, those are really the two pieces LA has to play with. And it'll yeah. probably come down to them pitching to free agents saying, hey, take less money with us now than you would on another team, win a title, and then go into next offseason. And this will be like a one-year deal. Go into next offseason with a better market with more teams that have money because a lot of teams are gearing up to chase those big stars and if you don't get that, you know, $30 million a year contract with Giannis, you're going to have to spend that money some other way. So from a, from a team perspective, they're gearing up. But from a player perspective, I can understand players wanting to enter a better market with perhaps, you know, a non-coronavirus world, making the cap better and all of those different things. And, and taking that short-term dip in pay in order to chase a title and then look to cash in after next offseason. Um, going in, in looking at two years from now, the only deal in the books for the Lakers is LeBron's player option for $41 million. AD, assuming he opts out and resigns, will be on that on those books as well. But Danny Green uh, is somebody that his contract will be up. That's 15 mil. Avery Bradley, his contract will be up. That's another 5 mil. Um, JaVale McGee, he signed for a little over $4 million. Quinn Cook for 3 mil. So if you take you those guys all together, like right? they all more. expire at the same time. Try to cash that in for your third big star player two summers from now um, or whenever, whenever the offseason happens to happen. Right. Uh, so from that perspective, L.A. is already sort of constructed the right way where among the players who are actually being paid anything, they all sort of run out of cap. Like, like they're all off the books at the same time, other than LeBron and, and hopefully AD once he resigns. Mm-hmm. KCP's a wild card with this because he's making about eight and a half mil uh, next year if he opts into his player option, but he could opt out. I wouldn't be surprised if he opts out and tries to get more money elsewhere. And he can actually opt out and then resign for, with the Lakers on their mid-level exception and make slightly more money. So I know people were thinking going into this year, oh man, you know the Lakers look good but next season when we add those two exceptions that's when we're going to look even better but we're entering an offseason where both of those exceptions might end up being used on like KCP and Rondo or like KCP right. and Dwight Howard or or some combination of guys that are already on the roster in a way where we're probably not going to see any big shakeups from a signing player standpoint because LA just doesn't have the space uh, it plays into them wanting to have flexibility for 2021-2022. Um, there isn't much out there. I think there are some smart guys you can look to target on those smaller level contracts. 
but it would be big wins for LA if they can even just bring back Dwight Howard for the minimum salary or bring yeah. back Markeith Morris, who'd made like less than $2 million uh, for the Lakers this year. Um, some of those things, just keeping those key pieces around will be critical for the, for LA. So I'm, I'm much less excited about this offseason from a Laker fan perspective now than I was a week or two ago when I hadn't really looked at our salary cap table. Um, but I think there are moves at the margins that LA can look to make to improve. I still need to go analyze all the data and look through what the options might be and who's willing to take a pay cut is going to be the big question. It's something that'll be hard to yeah. predict. Um, but yeah, KCP is a big piece. We need to see what happens there. AD will come back. It's just a matter of what the format looks like and he'll probably do what's best for him, but also maybe talk to the team and see what makes most sense in terms of being able to sign a big guy next year, next time around. Um, and then LA just needs to figure out if they're bringing back Howard and Rondo and Markeith and, and KCP and for how much money. So I, I my hopes are low. Uh, I think there are some attractive free agents that teams should look at throwing some money at this offseason. And, and there are some like promising young guys like Jordan McLaughlin from Minnesota is somebody who really pops in a lot of the data that we have at B-Ball Index that is very, very much under the radar from a national perspective. Um, I don't know if he would be at all gettable, but that is a name that I would take a look at. Uh, let me pull up his player profile on, on B-Ball Index. Because this is a guy that I was like, ooh, this this looks like a gem. Uh, this is a guard that is a good shooter, that is really good at getting to and finishing at the rim, has really good playmaking data. Um, he certainly has his own weaknesses, but he's a decent one-on-one -on -one player. Um, not the most versatile defender, uh, but you know he finishes well over through contact, over big dudes. He's a really good uh, guy at like, picking off passes. So there are some attractive things to look at with him. He's had a good impact. Um, going after dudes like him or maybe like a, I don't know, like a Courtney Lee, who isn't the most exciting name, but yeah. can shoot, has a little bit of defensive versatility and has some very good uh, peripheral data with his playmaking that suggests he could be a really good ball mover, which is something the Lakers could use. Um, so just, you know, you're not going to be big name hunting, but finding those bargain bin guys that you can sign for one of those two exceptions or for the minimum salary that can contribute in some sort of way because because to win a title you most likely need guys like Dwight Howard at the minimum yeah or Rondo at the minimum or Kuzma who you signed and only made less than two million dollars this year or Morris who made less than two mil um those figuring out those bench pieces that give you flexibility in the playoffs to play big play small all that stuff I think are, are what LA needs to focus on this offseason because they've already seen how important that can be. And a lot of the guys that they had this year might be looking for more money next season and the Lakers just don't have enough to pay everybody more. Yeah, and that's that's the key to it all. And that's what I think is the most interesting idea is who is going to be the ones that take the pay cut is it going to be most of them? Is it going to be all of them? Is it going to be none of them? All, all of them could say, look, we won a championship. I think I deserve that that uh, mid-level exception. And Ron, Rondo can be like, Rondo can say, I deserve that mid-level exception. Dwight could be like, are you kidding me? I deserve that mid-level exception, or blah, blah. And, you know, it can be one of those things that can really uh, kind of lead to, it, there's a scarce amount of, uh, of money that LA can dish out, and somebody's got to make some sacrifice if they all want to 
come together again. And so it, it's really, really interesting. And you look at the um, the free agents, like you said, I think Gallinari is a possible, uh, a possible mid-level exception option for them. Um, I think as far as trades go, they really, because of the Anthony Davis trade, they don't have a lot of assets. I don't know. I don't know what Kuzma's value is now. I I feel like it's a lot less than it was a year ago today. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean that's somebody I think that they could look to explore to maybe maybe get a piece that fits a little more. If you feel like Kuzma, if you feel like as the Lakers that Kuzma is reaching his plateau, and he also is just a player that, quite frankly, is a tough fit with AD and LeBron for the most part, or a tricky, a tricky fit. So I'll push back on that. Let me push back just a little bit because the thing with Kuz and and everything you've said so far makes sense. And I agree with the thing with him in this situation though, is next year he's only paid like, he's paid about three and a half million dollars. So if you were to trade him, you might yeah, be able to find a good trade partner. You, money. Yeah, it, it'll be a challenge to find a guy at that market right. that provides similar mm-hmm. or greater value. Uh, just because to find somebody at that money, they either have to be like a, a probably a, a washed up older guy that you might think you can you create something out of, or another younger guy like who's who in in all likelihood is more coveted by whatever team that they're on. Mm-hmm. So, and, those, and those are the two riskiest type of players to trade for, right? Mm-hmm. Like a like a like a rookie that you're betting on their potential, or a veteran that you're betting on what they have left in the yep. tank. And think about this: if they keep Kuz and they go into that next offseason and they sign that third big guy, and then they get capped out, they have Kuz's bird rights in a way that they'd be able to re-sign him for a longer term deal, go over the mm-hmm. cap, but still be okay. So, yeah. next year and then longer term he provides an element of flexibility and like he may not be the greatest value at three and a half million dollars or he might not be the best player or the, the perfect fit with AD and LeBron, but he yeah. is a good value. player for that money. And mm-hmm. even if he does plateau, like I'll, I'll take Kuz on three and a half mil next year doing what he did this year, a little bit smarter, maybe a tiny bit better. Um, if yeah. we talk about betting on rookies, Taylor Horton Tucker is someone who, has been impressing a lot of people that I trust who look at the G League. And we mm-hmm. saw him pop off in a couple games in the NBA and he even played in the playoffs a little bit. Uh, he is someone who LA will have next year making one and a half mil, who if he can crack the rotation and be providing, you know, if he can be your eighth or ninth or probably your ninth or 10th or 11th guy at that money and be doing anywhere close to what he does at the G League level in the NBA, that's a great addition to this team that, you know, isn't a roster move per se, but is someone who you would look to develop. He's he's really the one young guy on this team that L.A. would be looking to develop. Every Like, the only young guys are Giannis's brother, who's 22, and then, you know, Kuz is like 26, Quinn Cook is 27, Caruso's 26, or I'm sorry, Kuz is 25. Um, so you don't really have any young guys except for him. So if he can develop there's some value there as well. Now, when we think of who the Lakers might look to trade, the name that you'll hear most often, and I would be willing to see LA explore deals with, would be Danny Green. And he's Mm -hmm. someone that on the regular season and in the past and in previous playoffs, last playoffs, all that has been very good. Three and D sort of guy. This year, he's older. 
these playoffs, we've seen him kind of have the yips in some of the bigger moments, really struggle with his three-point shooting, and he doesn't really provide much in terms of his playmaking or really any of his other offensive skills. So he's the one guy that the fact that he is making over just a little bit over $15 million means that he can be one of those salary ballast trade pieces and you can look to try to get something back. Um, so I don't know. There aren't a lot of teams that would probably be willing to take on money or think that they can make much out of Danny Green next year. Like this situation, if he were to perform well, like the situation he was in this year where he can just catch and shoot and play defense would have been what, what you wanted. But if you think he's going to have a good year next year and a team is willing to take him on, um, especially because the Lakers don't really have many draft picks to trade with him or, or much else mm-hmm. to give along with him. But he is the guy that I will be watching to see if they look to move or if they can move, if anyone's willing to make a deal with him. Because if they can even get off his money um, and, and add another guy who provides similar value cheaper or adds a different element to the team, that would be interesting. Because if you can get his 15 mil back and spend it on a free agent, uh, there are some guys out there that I'd be taking a look at. But yeah, yeah. so th- that's that's the one player that I think they might look to trade or at least Laker fans would like for them to take a look at just because of what he does, how old he is, and the money that he makes. Okay. Tim, once again, man, absolutely excellent Lakers intel. I always appreciate you coming on the podcast, man, and really just uh, giving me giving me all the numbers that I that I love to that just make me as soon as I get off the podcast I'm still thinking about you always do that I I think I've told you that before on on maybe Twitter or maybe on air but you always you always give me those those numbers or those or those players or those or the, that little bit of logic that just gets me gets me thinking even after the podcast even after we get off so I appreciate you for that I'm glad that you're uh that your Lakers drought championship drought is over i'm glad all the all the horrible suffering you lakers fans have gone through <laughs> over the years i just i, I we're so I, we're, we're so it's an what was me <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh, i i pray i never have to go through anything like you lakers fans went through the last decade man pistons <laughs> Well, well, you'll have to. You know what we should do? I should come back another time, and let's talk about the Pistons offseason and what they might be able to do. Because there are some interesting free agents out there that mm-hmm. I can't really talk a whole lot about as a Laker fan because we don't have the money for them. But from a Pistons perspective, I don't. I'll have to look. So you want to spend our money, not their money? I, I I, hey, man, you. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Once again, as Tim, aka Cranches McBasketball of the basketball index and so much other things tim you're the best at what you do uh seriously all jokes aside congratulations to your lakers winning the championship it was a hell of a season it was it was it was a very fun season and man i just again just listening back to that first podcast that we did at the beginning of this season was um and it wasn't the first podcast that you and i did but the first podcast to preview this season which was over a year ago now to look at that and to go through everything that happened and, and coming to here seriously is uh is really cool and I am seriously really glad that the Lakers won the championship um not just because I like LeBron I like all the players on the Lakers but also the uh, unfortunate passing of Kobe as well I I think that this was a I think that this was something that the NBA community really needed 
and I and I think I I, I truly think that it, it is really cool that in the year of Kobe's tragic passing that the Lakers were actually able to win a championship as well. And I thought that that was great that Jeannie Buss had the moment talking about that in the um, in the post game celebration with Adam Silver was it, it was just it. Those kind of moments were, were really cool. The the moments that go beyond basketball and reach to the, the culture and the essence of, of basketball, which is why I fell in love with it in the first place, was was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say like the perfect ending, but the, it, I don't know, it's another chapter in, in the story of the Lakers and with the tragic passing of Kobe, like he meant so much to so many fans but also these players and throughout the postseason we heard from them in their huddles like not not with like not in front of a camera not in like at a press conference but just within their own huddles that were like mic'd up just you know one two three mamba little things like that or like this is mm-hmm. for kobe like have that you have to have that attitude or like you hear like oh yeah you know i i'm frank vogel i went over and talked to our team at this timeout, and i told him hey this is where kobe would step up or this is how he would approach this and I I fully understand people being annoyed of like like a fans being like oh here's a screenshot of when the score was twenty four to eight or something like that. I get that. I think that'll tone down a bit now that we have an off season and, and go into next year. But for this year, it was therapeutic for a lot of us. We we lost somebody that wasn't just a player, but he was an icon. An icon, and he was like the guy that got a lot of people interested in basketball. He was my favorite player. And, and one of the big reasons I, I got into basketball the way I did. And I, I feel like people processed it in different ways and his, his tragic passing in different mm-hmm. ways. But I felt like I kind of bottled it all up and then got really emotional during the finals where I was like, holy crap, like this is happening. This is mm-hmm. a weird culmination in a storybook sort of way that Kobe would have liked. Um so I don't know. Kobe was a fan of stories, man. He loved crafting stories. He certainly that did. Was, that was something that he he really always looked at, and that was cool about Kobe, and that was what I like because I kind of look at things in that way too. I look at I like to look at everything from a story perspective. I mean, Kobe, you saw so many interviews where he was, as a player, he was saying or doing something. He would say that he he did something in that moment because of how it would look backwards, Mm -hmm. you know, like looking back, like he always just had this, this desire to, to, to tell a story. And so I think that, I think that that's perfect wording that you put there because he was always about stories. So to make it, Kobe would definitely look back at this as, uh, as a a great part of a, a, of a story rather than, rather than just a, a a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. What? Thank you, Tim. Uh, I'm really glad you came on the podcast, man. Once again, thank you for all the many features that you've done this year. I will absolutely take you back up to talk about the Pistons and how much we should pay Christian Wood <laughs> and and all of that stuff. Thank you, Tim. I wish you the best, and I'll be talking to you soon. I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me.